Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our Gospel Proclamation comes from the Old Testament reading of Proverbs chapter 25, verses 2 through 10, and serves as the basis of our 12th Sunday after Pentecost theme. Who doesn't want to be with a good king? It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search things out. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's proverb makes one thing abundantly clear for the listener today. You have to have the wisdom of God to be a proper king. Now, when you take a close look at the 40 kings of Israel and Judah, you will find that 26 are described as evil. That's 65%. Some because of drunkenness, some because of incompetence, and some for the worship of false gods, some of those even sacrificing their own children to false gods. King Hezekiah was good, and his men found these particular proverbs and sought to preserve and catalog them for kings to abide by to this day. Because of the majority of failure of kings in Judah and Israel, and certainly many evil kings in history, the perfect king seems to have reached the level of mythology in our culture. The mythos of King Arthur and his knights of the round table, Disney stories with Prince Charmings and dashing figures coming to save damsels in distress. We have even entered the new era of heroine queens and strong female roles that vanquish foes and save the day. But they rarely have anything to do with the hidden glory of God. It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings to search things out. It's such a strange opening. And that is why I chose to emphasize it already twice now in this sermon. Why in the world would God hide anything? And why would only kings be expected to search it? Well, you have to understand who kings were supposed to be in Solomon's day. And then you can understand God's hidden agenda. The test of a good king in the Old Testament was his ability to make God's ways known to those under his rule. Solomon obviously emphasized wisdom. And he certainly gathered as much as any king before him, and arguably more than any king after. Truly seeing God's way in this world would lead to what we call science today. And I mean real science. Not the politically promoted and financed pseudoscience we see making ludicrous claims in the false media narratives today. Rather, real science that gets us closer and closer to God and the truth of his word revealed among us. So the good kings would always want 
wellness for their people. And nothing was better for their people than to understand the true ways of God. Too often, we do not want what is good from our kings. We push them to give us anything but the way of the Lord. We push them to give us security instead of integrity. We call out to them for comfortability rather than caring. We demand destiny rather than divine direction. We speak, act, and look for selfish satisfaction, even if it means the wholesale destruction of all that is good and beneficial for us and our neighbor. Sometimes we are even given what we want and then embarrassed by the all too obvious results. One of my favorite examples is when people demand higher wages and vote for local governments to force them, making wages too high for businesses to pay for the level of skill those positions provide. And then they're shocked when their positions are eliminated or hours are cut back dramatically in order to match the expense the business can actually afford. Then there are whole countries that guaranteed college completely financed for students and quickly found out the burden on the national budget was too much and cut the funding only to find those students upset, so upset they were willing to riot in the streets. Or the families that made no financial plans for the care of their elders. They were shocked at the Spartan accommodations afforded to them by government-subsidized nursing care. It's not that any of these things in and of themselves are evil. Quite the opposite. Good wages, good education, and good nursing care are good goals. But when we selfishly force our governing representatives to satisfy our desires without a willingness to sacrifice ourselves, Well, the end is often disappointing and, dare I say, inevitable. God says there's a better way, a humble way, which helps us to see what makes a king good for God and for us. Take away the wickedness from the presence of the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. Luther noted that it was the duty of kings and secular officials to force those who do not want to be good and righteous to become good and righteous in the eyes of the world. In doing so, they carry out God's will, for he still wished peace to be maintained among men. The peace that results from the removal of wickedness under jurisdiction of rulers establishes what is called civil righteousness. This is one way we can see the goodness or lack thereof in our kings today. Do they remove wickedness? Do they speak for peace? Do they establish civil righteousness? Do they make laws that hurt God's people willfully or undermine the gospel? Do they call for the death of the unborn or the aged through policies that masquerade as health care and wellness? 
do they attack our ability to worship God? Or do they support policies that seek to promote false religions while forcibly censoring anything concerning Jesus Christ? Do they use the power of propaganda to push false narratives about the intentions of the Christian religion? And do they foment misinformation that misrepresents the forgiveness and redemption that can only be won through knowing Christ Jesus as their Lord and Savior. It's not that hard to know who a good king is if you know who the only good God is. A good king is a servant king. A king who knows God and knows God wants him to serve God's people. When I serve as circuit visitor, I get, I get to see a lot of good leaders and a lot of bad leaders too. Some time ago, I was working with a congregation that required President Walton and me, the circuit visitor, to come and visit with them. The congregation was very nice, but one leader in particular kept calling President Walton by his first name, Greg. I may be a little old-fashioned, but I never referred to him as anything but President Walton, unless he tells me otherwise. And ever since I've known him and referred to him in this way, he never corrected me to use more familiar terms like his first name. So when I heard this happening, and I noticed it was being done in a seemingly cavalier way, I felt our president was being disrespected as our king appointed by God. What followed in that meeting was an example of the kingly humility that Solomon was talking about today. President Walton did not even blink an eye that this leader was disrespecting him. In fact, he returned the disrespect with nothing but a servant's heart, kindness, and leadership that made it clear what a true leader should act like. The leader disrespecting him showed that he thought he belonged in the presence of the king when he didn't. And President Walton showed clearly he did not feel he deserved anything at all so he could be called to his rightful place in the presence of the true king. When we disrespect and show arrogance, we're not doing it to our council leaders, our representatives, or even President Walton. We're actually doing it to Jesus. When we ask for compensation without earning it, when we expect benefits without sacrificing for it, and when we neglect the care of our family so we can have luxuries instead, we aren't just gaming the system or scamming the man. We are disrespecting our Savior, Jesus. Jesus knows this. And like the ultimate good king, it never fails us. He chose to take the penalty for our well-deserved insolence. Jesus, who is the very pure silver from which all dross has been removed. Jesus, 
who is the only king in whom there is no wickedness. Jesus, whose throne is established in eternal righteousness. This Jesus, who instead of letting us suffer the consequences of the repeated sins we committed against humanity and against him, he chose to plead with the Heavenly Father for ownership of our souls rather than leave them with the devil where they belonged, that temporal evil king we served all along. Then he died on the cross, leading him into the very bowels of hell to let Satan know he owns us no more. For now we belong to the king of kings forever. This makes our walk into the sanctuary the most humble walk, especially at every service where communion is served. Because Jesus invited us to come and sit at his heavenly feast, even though we never deserved a seat there. Who doesn't want to be with this good king? Amen. Now may that peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus always. Amen.